Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be together. And my prayer is that wherever you find yourself today, you will find a God who is ready to meet you in your need. Today, we're going to look at a text from 1 Kings chapter 19. We discover a character, Elijah, who is in a place of deep discouragement. And yet God meets him in that and leads him to a place of renewal. And that's my prayer for us today, that God might meet us wherever we find ourselves and uh, speak a word of hope to us. And so we're going to read 1 Kings chapter 19, and we'll look at verses 9 through 18. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to open those up. You'll also see the words on the screen. And so let's listen in to God's word today. And the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rock before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel, Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Would you join me in a word of prayer? God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing to you. Lord, would you speak to us just as you spoke to Elijah? Bring, Lord, a word of comfort, a word of guidance, a word of direction. We invite your spirit to be at work in our midst, we pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, um, right around the time the twins were about to be born, we realized that we needed to upgrade to a bigger car. It was time to go for the three-row family hauler. So I found a a good deal on a car. It was a for sale by owner down south of Portland. Drove down, everything looked good, and we made the purchase. I was feeling excited about the new car, driving home, feeling good, until I hit this intense gridlock rush hour in Portland, Oregon at 4 p.m. And I realized in that moment that of all the things I had done to check out the car, I had failed to actually look at the most basic thing, which was the gas tank. 
I had checked the brakes, I had looked at the oil, I had looked at all the things, was making sure it was a good uh, purchase, and yet now here I was in this big city in rush hour with an empty tank of gas. Perhaps you've had an experience like that. I I don't know what your car is like, but I discovered that this car had like two different types of warning lights. There's the yellow warning light, which says, you know, at some point in the next half hour, you should probably look into getting some gas. But then there is the red warning light, which is basically saying it's too late, get off the road immediately. And that's where I was in rush hour with the needle buried, a complete uh, empty tank of gas. I was thinking about this experience as I was reflecting on Elijah's story today that in many ways, this is a metaphor of sorts, a parable of life for us that there is always this danger of running out of fuel, and we see Elijah in this place today, a place of complete burnout and exhaustion. As we tell the story, I want to weave our story into Elijah's story and notice a couple of things. First, I want to begin by just naming some of the warning lights, if you will, that show up in our life that clue us into the fact that we are in a place where we are in need of some renewal. And we're going to trace that in Elijah's life. But in the midst of all that, my hope is that we might discover some hope today of how we might rediscover God in those places, that we might rediscover some sources of renewal for those of us who come today in a place of discouragement and maybe even some exhaustion and burnout As I was tracing this text, I thought if Elijah came to see me for some pastoral counseling, I would probably diagnose him pretty quickly with some severe burnout and probably even some clinical depression. (laughs) We notice all kinds of signs in his life, these warning lights, if you will, of a person who has run out of any sense of energy and encouragement. Now, we didn't read the whole text, and many of us know parts of the story, but the the scene that directly precedes chapter 19 is this famous story where Elijah calls down fire and challenges the 500 prophets of Baal to do the same. There's a refrain in our text that says, he has been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, and that's almost an understatement. He has single-handedly been trying to take on these false prophets, confronting uh, people, his own people, who have turned away. He's had success in ministry, and yet now he is in a place of complete exhaustion. And we just notice some of these signs, some of these warning lights. In the first part of chapter 19, we see that he is filled with anxiety and fear. There are people out to get him, and he is on the run, and understandably, he is scared for his life. But we see a person who has lost sight of a God who has just showed up in powerful ways, and now anxiety is driving out faith, and he is filled with fear. We see a man who is filled with exhaustion, and in verse 4 it says that he falls asleep under a broom tree, and he's completely physically drained and exhausted. Next in, in the text, we notice someone who is filled with discouragement. In fact, it is so bad that Elijah is even in a place of being suicidal in this text. He pleads with the Lord to take his life. 
He's lost sight of hope. He's lost his drive, his will to continue to serve and to live. And then lastly, we, we notice a man who has lost perspective. I can trace in this text all kinds of false truths that Elijah says in this text. Uh, he's lost sight of the fact that God has just performed a very powerful miracle. And so he is in a place where he has lost that faith. He says of himself that I am just as bad as my ancestors. He, he names his experience incorrectly, saying that he's a failure. He has not been a good prophet, which is contrary to what we have just seen. He has been faithful. And then finally, we see that he says that he is all alone. Everyone has bowed their knee to Baal. He is the only one left. We're going to discover that this is an overstatement. In fact, there are 7,000 who are with him. But through the discouragement, through the burnout, he has lost this perspective. You know, I think one of the gifts of this text is that if one of the most celebrated prophets in the scriptures deals with discouragement and burnout, perhaps it's okay for us to name the ways we experience that. that that's part of our common, common experience. And so I'm just wondering if you can see any of these warning lights in your life today or maybe have a tendency towards these experiences in your life that we might want to just put on the table and name today. Like Elijah, I think many of us probably come today in a place of anxiety and fear. Fear for our kids, fear about this ongoing pandemic, fear about social division and unrest in our country. Do you experience that? Are you coming today, perhaps, with some of those anxieties? I, I wonder if some of us today are just in a place of exhaustion. This has been an exhausting season, I think, for a lot of us. I think of our parents who are at home trying to manage work and kids at home and a different school rhythm. Do you find yourself in that place today? I think it's particularly hard for us to acknowledge the need for rest, particularly when we are doing good things. And, and that was Elijah's problem. He had zeal for the Lord. He was serving. And sometimes that can catch up to us. And we struggle to say no to these good things. Uh, I think it's easy in our life for us to see this call to a rhythm of rest, of Sabbath, as not a commandment, but maybe one of the ten suggestions that we'll think about. But it's easy for that to, to slide. And maybe some of us today are just in a place where we feel physically depleted. I wonder if some of us can even just connect with this experience of losing perspective where our view of reality is clouded by a disproportionate amount of discouragement, anxiety, and bleakness. There is a, a funny website that I think illustrates what it's like for us to have maybe a, an unhealthy perspective, a discouraging view of reality. It's this website called despair.com. 
And what they do is they do these parodies of motivational posters. There was a, a trend, I think, back in the 90s where you probably encountered these uh, motivational posters. I'm going to pull one up here, Anna, if you want to put it on the screen. But it, it looks something like this. Here's a man on the top of a mountain, and there's this word, achievement. And you might not be able to read, but the, the statement behind, below that says, it is hard to fail, but it is worse to have never tried to succeed. It's just these motivational posters. Well, uh, despair.com has come up with what they call demotivational posters, and it's kind of a parody of these, and there's a couple of these I thought would be fun to pull up. This first one is uh, this image of a tree being pummeled by wind with the word adversity, and it says, that which does not kill me postpones the inevitable. (laughs) We have here an example of someone uh, with this bleak, outlook on reality, a lack of hope. And then uh, this next one, this is my favorite one, and it's a picture of a bear struggling to catch a fish with the word ambition, and it says, the journey of a thousand miles sometimes ends very, very badly. Uh, Takes these common statements that are meant to encourage us, and it has sort of this bleak outlook. I wonder if that maybe just reflects where some of us are at today, that when we look upon our world, our reality, we go dark. We, we've lost a sense of hope, and there's a discouragement that just crowds out any sense of God's purpose and, and hope in our life. Psychologists sometimes use the word catastrophizing, where we'll, we'll take a negative statement and we'll blow it out of proportion. So if I make a mistake at work, I didn't just make a mistake, but I've totally lost my calling and I'm a complete failure. We, we, we go down that path, that loss of perspective. I'm wondering if this names for any of you today some of what you are experiencing, particularly in this season Into all of that, we encounter some hope today. And we discover that through the course of this narrative, where Elijah begins in this place of discouragement and burnout, he actually discovers some sources of renewal and rediscovers his vocation. And I want to notice how this transformation takes place and how God shows up in the midst of this situation for Elijah. And the first thing I just want us to notice today is that God shows up, that God comes in pursuit of Elijah. And that in and of itself, friends, is the gospel, the good news in this text, that there is a God who does not leave Elijah in this cave, but meets him in his need and seeks to lead him back to a place of wholeness. And through this scene, we discover all kinds of sources of hope for Elijah, some of the ways that God leads him to this place of renewal. It begins early in chapter 19 in a very simple way, but important way, where Elijah, first and foremost, simply just needs some rest. He sleeps And God sends a raven to provide him with some nourishment and food, and then that cycle repeats itself. And I wonder if for some of us, if that's maybe the starting point for renewal today, that God is inviting us into a place of rest. 
in this 24-7 world that often lures us into the false belief that we can be it all, do it all, and have it all, we can find ourselves in a place of exhaustion. And I wonder if God just wants us, before we even engage with all these other things that we need to deal with, to come to a place of rest. I'm wondering what your rhythm is like right now. As I've talked with a lot of people, I think our rhythms are really out of sync during this COVID season. And perhaps there is a opportunity for us to think intentionally about what our rhythm of rest and work could look like in this season. What does Sabbath look like for you right now? So rest is, is this starting point. I heard a quote once that says, sometimes the difference between hope and despair is a good night's sleep. And I think that's maybe a little bit oversimplistic, but sometimes that's the starting point, right? To find that place of rest. The next thing I notice that uh, leads Elijah to a place of, of healing is this practice of silence and stillness. There's this interesting moment where God wants to get Elijah's attention, but it is not in the fire, in the earthquake, in the chaos, but it is in the gentle whisper that God speaks. Or as one translation, the NRSV translates, it's in the sound of sheer silence. I notice an interesting detail in this text that during the chaos, Elijah is still in the cave, but it is when the silence comes that he is drawn out and he hears this word from the Lord. And and I, I wonder if that's part of the reason why God speaks in the silence because it causes us or it draws us to come closer. We live in a a world filled with noise. We have all kinds of weapons of mass distraction, as one writer calls it, that make it hard for us to actually be still and to listen. And I wonder what it might look like for us to create a little bit more stillness. When I was studying at Fuller, I spent a lot of time studying the Desert Fathers, and there's some really interesting writings and sayings from a group of people who were trying to get away from the chaos of the world, and um, they lived a very simple life out in the desert. There was a, a man named John Cassian who was really curious about these religious spiritual masters, and he went on these pilgrimages to, to learn from them. And on one of the visits, he visited this Abba in the desert and asked him for a word, asked him for some guidance. Well, sometimes these desert fathers like to speak symbolically, and so they were sitting down by a stream, and the the Abba didn't say anything at first. He just started stirring up the stream, and there was ripples, and the silt was drawn up, and it was just this muddied water. And they sat there for a while. And then eventually... After about 10 minutes or so, the, the water settled and the silt dropped and the ripples ceased. And the Abba said to John, what can you see now? And in the stillness of the water, John was able to see his reflection. It's this powerful metaphor for the need for stillness. That it is in the stillness, in the quiet, that we gain clarity, that we gain direction. And this is what Elijah experiences in this text. In the midst of the silence, he hears a word from the Lord. He hears some direction.
And what he hears is this question. It's a question that is posed to Elijah, a question I'd like to pose to us today, where God simply says to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? I would encourage us to see this question not as an interrogation of God saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? Just get back to what you're supposed to be doing. It's not a judgmental question. I think this is a a call for Elijah to reflect on his experience. I think this is part of this process of renewal. It is through reflection that we discover deeper truth about what's really going on. And I, and I wonder if God wants to pose that question to you today. If you are noticing these warning signs of discouragement, to pause and reflect a little bit about what we're doing there. What's brought us to this place? Where is God in this place? There's a therapist named Doug Manning, and I use some of his training curriculum with my pastoral care team. And he has this great observation about just the power of reflecting and having someone to help us process our experience. And he says, I've been a counselor my whole life, and I still have no idea how it works. That people will come in and they'll tell me their problems, and I will grunt every once in a while, and then they are healed. It's this mystery, but there's something very powerful that he's noticed that when we have the capacity to just begin talking and processing and naming what's going on, that we have the ability to discover some sources of truth and some sources of healing. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, where you just begin talking about your problems and then you can't really quite convince the other person that they're as bad as they are, and and there's some new perspective and there's some encouragement that comes. So perhaps that is a practice of renewal, this call to reflect on our experience. Now, I want to be cautious in this message, particularly for those of you who find yourselves in a very difficult place right now. I don't want to oversimplify this process. That for some of us, a good night's sleep isn't all that we need. That maybe we're dealing with some things like clinical depression or discouragement. And in those places, perhaps this process of reflectiveness would be aided by talking with a skilled listener, with someone that is equipped to help us in those places. I, I don't want to trivialize the, the depth of discouragement that some of us are feeling. And maybe God is calling us, inviting us into this reflective process with someone that has some skill that can guide us through a particularly dark time. Well, this leads to this, this last source of renewal. We've talked about rest. We've talked about silence. We've talked about reflection. But this leads to this last part that as Elijah reflects on his experience, God points out that he actually is not alone, but that there is support for him, that he needs others on this journey of ministry, on this journey of healing. And we notice as this text ends that God points out all these specific people. There is Elisha. There is all these people that he says, go and find, and they will be your partners. They will be your support as you continue in ministry. 
There are, in fact, 7,000 people that have not sold out, that have not bowed to Baal, that are with you. And this is a reminder, friends, that in our journey of ministry, in our journey of renewal and healing, we are also called back into community, called back into these places where there are other people who can help us, who can support us, who can share this load that we are doing ministry together and not alone. And maybe God is calling you to reflect again on those people that he has placed in your life that you might need right now. To celebrate the fact that we are not alone in this journey. I know this is particularly a challenge in this season where we are more isolated. But I'm deeply encouraged as I've been visiting many of the groups that are going on that there are ways that we are still able to support and be the church through calls, through groups, through notes, through visits. Friends, we need one another probably even more right now. And so what might that look like? Where is God calling you to step back into relationship right now? My prayer is that these sources of renewal that we encounter in this text might be available to you today, that God might be calling you back to a place to be refilled and renewed. I, I think we need this word, particularly for those of us who are, are serving the Lord. I think sometimes these practices, they, they go against the grain of our culture, but they sometimes go against the grain of a Christian culture where we can feel guilty. Uh, I think it's a, a false guilt for taking time for rest and renewal in our own lives. We can sometimes push ourselves like Elijah to serve the Lord with such zeal that we forget to tend to our own soul. But I want to encourage us to know that our capacity to serve the Lord well is dependent on our own well-being, both spiritually, physically, and emotionally. I I read this quote from Wayne Muller, and it's a book he wrote on Sabbath. And I, I just found some deep encouragement in this text, a real invitation to rest. And he says that the world aches for the generosity of well-rested people. That our world aches for the generosity of well-rested people. Can we see that our commitment to these practices of renewal are not selfish? They're not just for ourselves, but they are for a world that is longing for us to be God's witnesses and representatives but we cannot do that, friends, without tending to our own spiritual formation and our own soul. My prayer is that God might meet you wherever you are at today and call you out of those places of discouragement, out of the cave, back into a place of flourishing and community. So I would call you, invite you to sit with this question that is posed to us this week. What are you doing here? What has brought you to these places of discouragement? And where is God in that? And where does God want to lead you back into a place of flourishing? Would you join me in a word of prayer? God, I pray that you would meet us today in our need, in our places of discouragement. And like Elijah, remind us of the hope that we have, that our story is not over, that you provide for us, that there is a place where we can go to be renewed as we turn to you. So Lord, renew us and restore us today, we pray. Amen.